In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. Listening to the Verhoven Effect podcast, where we are currently watching network television because me and Nathan do not watch network television. We are watching The Blacklist, season one, 2013, season two of The Mentalist, 2009, season two of Miami Vice, 1985. As always, we start with The Blacklist. We have season one, episode six, Gina Zanatakos, number 152. Original air date, October 28, 2013, NBC Monday. After Tom confronts Liz about the box, he claims he's innocent and insists that they that they turn it into the FBI so his name can be cleared. Elsewhere, Red informs Liz and the FBI that the next name on the blacklist is beautiful and deadly corporate terrorist Gina Zanatakos. Showrunner Joe Book, John Bokenkamp, written by Wendy West, directed by Adam Arkin, which that is Alan Arkin's kid. Oh, okay. I didn't know was that. Born who was born in 1956. Huh. Which means, and Alan Arkin's still alive. <laughs> which I immediately confused that with the guy from MASH. Oh, okay. Which I can't even, it's uh, Alan, what is it? I can't even remember what it is. But yeah, that guy. They're oh. both still alive. Oh, still doing it, huh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Adam Arkin's a pretty prolific television director and did some acting here or there. He was, he was, he, his latest role was in that Nicolas Cage movie, Pig. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> About the truffle hunting pig? Yeah. Okay, okay. I just know it's Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage and his pig gets stolen, and that's like all I know, and it's supposedly good and ridiculous. So, it sound, Yeah, it's, the premise in the trailer looked, I was like, what's Nicholas Cage doing now? I mean, all of his movies are like, that's a wacky premise, and it has Nicholas Cage, and like, is it good? And it's like a 50-50 shot. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> I hear that's one art. of the good ones. Okay, well, good. <laughs> yeah, we start in... Leipnitze Forest, Germany. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have some guy building a bomb. It's a car bomb and a beamer that's not a beamer. <laughs> yeah. There's some other thing. On it. I'm pretty sure it's a beamer because it has like that split grill look on it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, and then some dude and a lady blow up the car. She asks if he can make it radioactive. He mentioned some CZ-137. <laughs> he makes a joke is like but that one already was and she kind of gives him a serious look he's like i'm joking and it's like cut to credits <laughs> we come back and tom and liz are in an argument and tom swears he doesn't know anything about the box and he's blaming liz for it yeah <laughs> this is your world <laughs> not mine which is an interesting ploy <laughs> yeah uh, and then Tom dares Liz to call the FBI on him, and so she does. <laughs> and it's weird. They go to like you know their 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 black sites off off book FBI, and she says she doesn't work for the FBI. It's like, well, who are you? <laughs> are they just like some special NSA agents or something? Or <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I I heard that, and I was like, wait a minute. That's that's all. Yeah, that's what they say they are. But <laughs> okay. I know they're also working with the CIA and Red, but you know they're the FBI. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're like the part of that, unless she's saying, I just work for Red now, which she doesn't. Yeah. But Red is like dealing in like, I don't know, like probably stolen paintings or something. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, although it helps be a clue later on. So it's just one of his like, well, just quirky things we have Red doing. <laughs> yeah, he's always doing something he shouldn't. Well, this time they kind of make it seem like he's like... They kind of make him out of his depth where he's like kind of he's just making up stuff about this painting and they're just like you know what i don't you know i don't know you want this <laughs> it's worth money whatever yeah <laughs> or he says it should be up in like a museum in boston rather than like being somebody's wedding gift or something like that yeah so they yeah, they, they drag tom in to interrogate him they, cooper puts liz on leave and then we have Red talking about like corporate espionage and conspiracies while they're in front of the White House. <laughs> so I think this is like their like JFK moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm Mr. X and I'm here to tell you all the most implausible plausible scenario you've ever heard. <laughs> and this is where he explained Gina Zanatakos and she's a corporate terrorist. Yeah, and he names things that really happened, like the Tylenol murders, the Firestone tire fiasco. The uh, there was one other thing, like stuff that really happened, and it's like. But then he, then he throws like Chernobyl in there and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> it's like yeah, these were all things done on purpose to not you know not for political reason, but for financial gain by competition. And <laughs> it's like oh, that's I've never heard of that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but it's like that's an interesting premise, and it seems like it's going to be a one and done for this episode. I thought we were opening an arc here of. Yeah. Like, well, what's Red really like doing this for? This isn't just like evil, like country evil. It's all corporate <laughs> evil, which in today's world, corporations and the government are like very hard to tell apart anyway sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Usually, kind of this corporate espionage doesn't necessarily end in a body count like they have it here. It's just usually like it's like public public opinion of something lowers and then thus they lose money. And then it's like, Oh, somebody did this on purpose, but we can't prove it and stuff like that. So yeah. We don't talk <laughs> so, um, about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we never really know about any corporate espionage. It's just kind of like, it, it's just somebody knows it exists, but like, they're not talking about it. Oh, it exists, but it's mainly it's stealing secrets. It's not sabotage. Yeah. That sabotage is like a, that draws a lot of attention and being um, Chernobyl was, own run by a communist government it's yeah, like, yeah. So who's who's your competition economic competition yeah i don't like, yeah i don't get that but it seemed like it seemed like they're already winning that war so yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just one of those things you throw chernobyl in there it's a buzzword it's like oh this is serious <laughs> yeah yeah so but, but but again i'm always looking for like oh is there a deeper thread here is this gonna yeah a common thing but then i don't see it pay off i mean i've didn't see a payoff in this episode other than just as a background. Uh, I mean, the, the interesting, really the interesting about this episode is that like, you know, we always know that like red's a bad guy, but we always had kind of have like fun with him. Yeah. And like, he always kind of like saves the day in some way. And this one is pretty much like, he's just kind of bad throughout. Yeah. He's never fun. And you just have to hope that there's some silver lining to all the bad things he does. <laughs> Yeah, and he's not dealing with like the usual espionage, like in in his crime world, when he, you know when his concierge, what you call him, the concierge of crime is with him, and they're talking elliptically about things. You, you know, in this case, it's like, oh yeah, we're just giving this painting to. It's not even like a Russian oligarch or something. It's some chic, and it's like, oh yeah, these are the same idiots that are like dipping falcons in gold and all the other gross stuff <laughs> that they do in the 
Gulf oil states because they have more money and they have no taste or style or culture. <laughs> so this is, yeah, this is another thing where we're going to, but it doesn't seem to really like, it's all an episode about, oh, it's just greed. Everything's greed. It's, it's not, it's not always a political ideology, which is somehow uh, more depressing and empty than if it was like terrorists <laughs> believing in a weird ideology. It's like, well, at least they believe in something. If it's corporations doing bad things, that can happen anywhere without an ideology or, or <laughs> behind it. Or with the total lack of ideology, actually. <laughs> yeah. The complete opposite of belief in anything greater than oneself. You're just a servant to the machine of money. It's true terrorism. It has yeah. no leader. <laughs> it's the end phase of communism, believe it or not. It's just all things subordinated to the corporate state for profit. Or power or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Read marks. Tom, it's there. <laughs> Tom is like getting interviewed by Mira. And then he's like telling like he met with this guy named Walter Burris. He was the headmaster. But yours like, does he actually exist or not? And like, well, they're going to check up on that. So because uh, basically they put things like, were you here at this time? Like, yeah. Like, is that a picture of you? He's like, yeah. Like, was somebody murdered in that hotel? It's like, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Cooper puts Liz back on the blacklist case because Red is holding something on Cooper. Uh, he says something about like Kuwait or something. I can't yeah, remember. apparently he's some kind of war criminal or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, Again, it's another thing. You throw a term out there, you imply importance, but you leave it vague. So It's, just it's, it's one of the things I'm not liking about this show. It's one of the few <laughs> things is we're like just, oh, threads. We're, it's like a sewing circle of threads here. Where do these tie up? Well, they don't. It's more of a, it seems like more of a backdrop because there's no way it could all tie together into something later because most of it's dropped. Like you're not going to yeah. be as a viewer, be expected to remember like you're taking copious notes that every, not everyone's a lunatic like we are, where we are taking <laughs> notes, but that's for a different reason. I um, mean, you can always pick this up later on when threat, when, instead of a threat, red just falls through on it and just reveals like, here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's just going to be something like, oh, he covered something up and it was bad. It's like, you know, it's like, how bad could it be? It's like, oh, well, he was feeding children into a wood chipper. It's like, it's like why? why? It's like, <laughs> bad, yes, but for what end? <laughs> oh, he's psychotic. It's like, oh, that's a real sellout there. That's not a. Yeah, because uh, I mean, well, from what we know of Agent Cooper, it's going to be like, he was in a bad situation, he made a decision. Uh, it wasn't malicious, but it looks bad. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, okay, well, so nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, and Gina, she she seduces some guy and drugs him and or kills him. And we never follow up on, they're like, call an ambulance. And like, nobody's like trying to resuscitate him or anything. Yeah. They're just <laughs> rifling his wallet and stealing his cell phone. It's like, hey, has anyone t checked for a pulse? Nah. <laughs> Wait, he's dead. That's what they... That's what the script says. Come on, just keep rifling <laughs> through his wallet. Just tuck twenty bucks in your brazier that you found. You know, just, just whatever. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Then wrestler are like, I they get a clue for some reason where Gina is, and so they they find the guy in the hotel. Wrestler leaves, and he ends up fighting Gina in an elevator. <laughs> and it's yeah. They try to make it because Liz calls the phone, right? Yeah. He has her no, 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 she, no, no, no. He calls it afterwards. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind. Because she like, she hears the like Gina hears the elevator open, and then she kind of like sulks down one of the hallways away from the place. And then when everybody leaves the elevator, she goes back, and then there's like this sort of comedic thing where like a 
just like a like a girl scout troop goes into the elevator and then and then wrestler like hops into and then like all the girl scouts leave and it's just wrestler and her and they end up fighting and there's like another door opens and it's like a like a guy in his underwear and his two kids or something and i don't know if that's just like lazy dad or something more weird <laughs> and they just walk away it's like all right you got the elevator yeah it's your elevator whatever you guys are doing <laughs> And then she chokes out wrestler and then she leaves the elevator once it hits the bottom floor. And that's where Liz calls the phone. And then like he hits. So now he has Gina's phone. Oh, okay. Um, and then that ends up, they end up searching the phone and they get a bunch of stuff out of it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. This year we figure out that there's a dirty bomb in play. Tom met with somebody claiming to be Walter Bur- Burris, but it, cause they go check it out and it's not the, so like, hey, do you know this guy? No, he's like, no, I've never met this guy. I'm like, well, that's the real Walter Burr. So you never met him. There's all the weird stuff where it's like Tom's in the room by himself and he's like talking through like the one-way glass and Liz is behind it. And he's like, like I know you can hear me. It's like weird, but oh, it's dramatic. So yeah, they. I guess I guess Gina owns just a place in town. Yeah. <laughs> so they raid that place and they find a, a similar mysterious box that was under the floorboard that has all Tom's passports and guns and money and stuff. Uh, and then they actually find just a picture of Tom in the apartment is too. Yeah. It's in a book next to her bed, which was uh, what, what book was that? Damn it. I know I had that written down or something. Anyway. Yeah. It was a picture of Tom. Yeah. It was implied like there was something romantic there. Like, why is she keeping this guy's picture by her bed? It wasn't them together. It was just a picture of him. But yeah, well, I mean, it's like somebody's arms over his shoulder, which it could be Liz for all we know. Yeah, uh, I forget. I think I maybe wrote it down. So at some point, Red says like, because Gina is Tom's lover, which is always a weird sentence when you call somebody their lover. Yeah. <laughs> In this case, it should be like sexual partner. <laughs> their sexual part because none of these people have souls they're just just <laughs> merciless like terminator robots that happen to have blood all the bad uh, people in the blacklist are just like soulless red and liz have their gazebo talk yeah uh, i wrote that down because it's fun to say the word gazebo <laughs> it is a fun word <laughs> it's never what you think it is it's just it's just the thing with a roof yeah you're always thinking like lattice work and like carved unicorn pillars and it's like nah it's just a cheap you know circular structure it's basically a tent just made out of wood yeah <laughs> uh yeah this is where we learned that the name of the bomb expert is maxwell rudiger uh red flies to germany on his private jet and meets with him and he kind of threatens him he well, wants he threatens to, like, him keep... with an expanded business opportunity <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah red says he's got something going on in syria and he's playing all sides yeah <laughs> so again we don't know if that's a lie, but it feels like, no, nah, he's probably doing that. Yeah, it's, it's the more ridiculous things he say, it says, the more chance it's true. I'm giving guns to both sides and we're going to make money on all of it. Yep. And in the middle will be a destroyed country as we sip wine in a different country. Yeah, and listen to classical music. And yeah, it's all true, uh, though. It's not that that part of it's not made up. That's that goes, that goes on all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just usually doesn't get like filtered down to one person who's just kind of doing it on a whim with spreadsheets. <laughs> no, no, there's always money. Yeah, there's always a lot more hands. The world's way more complicated than TV. There's always many people involved. Everyone gets to what the Sicilians say. Everyone dips their beak in. There's no one guy making a billion dollars, but there's like a hundred guys making a million dollars. All equals the same, you know, again, destroyed country, dead children. <laughs> 
yeah uh, nothing really resolving itself just waiting for it to happen again 10 years later. so like but here we get red trying to like kind of like play both also play both sides where it's like well we want to catch this blacklist person but also i'm not going to completely sell out this bomb guy because we're going to still use him later on but also i don't want gina to kill him so <laughs> but so he just hands him a phone and he's like call her and so we never actually see that interaction and yeah. see how well or poorly it goes <laughs> so, well the bomb maker is okay. a weird kooky guy so he seems yeah. like someone that could yeah just live in the forest in germany making bombs and he's a drunk that's what so, red said he's like oh he's a complete alcoholic and he's so random as a person but he's fun and he's good yeah. at his job <laughs> Which I imagine, imagine he's almost like the stew maker guy, where he just there's just some destroyed family in his background. And he found booze and bombs. Yeah, <laughs> I can make this right. Like I got a hobby in a medicine. Like I'm all good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, hobby medicine. <laughs> I think the guy in the hotel room, the Turkish guy, was where they were obtaining the cesium. Was that it? No, no. The Turkish guy is basically getting the car into the country without. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the diplomatic seal. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Where'd they get the cesium? Did that play a part in it? Uh, well, I mean, well, because they don't end up using cesium. He makes a point that they end up using cobalt sixty-five. Okay. I wrote I wrote it down somewhere, but I can't I can't see it right now. Which is just an, a different form of waste from a nuclear power plant. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's just something equally as bad. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just something if you blow it up, it's not gonna be great. But I don't know also maybe because like how how easily they toss away radiation at the end of the episode. Like maybe that's just kind of a way out. It's like it's less radioactive. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only radioactive isotope water completely neutralizes. <laughs> We're gonna ship it on a boat, you know, whatever. Great. <laughs> Next keep cranking that camera (laughs) (laughs) yeah then uh gina and liz have a bathroom fight and there's like this whole thing where it's like where wrestlers accusing liz he's like you shouldn't be on this case if you find you're just gonna shoot her and hide the evidence (laughs) and it just works out the opposite where wrestler comes in just shoots her (laughs) and then and then liz is mad he's like no we'll never find that (laughs) Yeah, but to his credit, she had like a knife going towards Liz's yeah, skull yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, they did show that like he basically shot her in the shoulder a bunch. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so there's like a ticking time, literally a ticking time bomb. So, you know, they have to find this car or a bunch of people are going to be dead. Uh, we find out it's an evil shipping company that wants to like set a dirty bomb off in Houston. So that the port in New Orleans gets more traffic and thus yeah. more money. So, yeah, it um, sounds like a like a reach. Yeah. Well, also, we should like you know name the fake corporation, and all those people should be going to jail. Yeah, or be <laughs> killed. <laughs> they find the bomb. The car is the bomb. Like it's built. Like the cars. Like it's the, it's like the internal structure of the car is the bomb. Yeah, it's a huge bomb. Uh, which I like that 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 the bomb tech is like it's a we got a big ass problem here that I, I wonder if that car i wonder if the bomb tech guy is like an actual bomb tech guy or some consultant because he's not a great actor but you know he seems to like know stuff so they, yeah they might have stuck him in they might have hired the actor that's like this guy looks good but he doesn't convince me that he knows he has nothing but a room temperature iq here we got to get <laughs> someone who really sounds like they know what they're saying 
like they have the car on the ground, but for some reason they put it on like a forklift and then wrestler just jumps in the car and drives it off the it's like it seemed like we're missing a scene here or an yeah. order of operation <laughs> i want it's got 45 seconds quick let's crane it up with some slow device like, <laughs> now just drive it off the damn ramp <laughs> or use that thing to throw it right in the water liz makes a thing that like uh, water's better at containing radiation and so like let's just drive it off the dock yeah it's it's great that's how the people on the international space station survive because <laughs> when it comes too close to the sun, they stand in the room where all the water stored. Because you can't make the ISS out of lead because it'd be too heavy. <laughs> hey, I mean, that, I mean that is somewhat true. Like we know from reading certain like nuclear submarine books. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, you just yeah, you just you just put the radiation in the water and it'll figure itself out. <laughs> yeah, the ocean is a wonderful filter, <laughs> nature's filter. And even like you know, you have these bad oil spills. It's like actually, if you just waited, like the, the you know. The, ocean would kind of clean itself but then rather than what our intervention like sometimes our intervention is worse <laughs> yeah but, well it all yeah. comes there's nothing on this planet that wasn't of this planet it's like it's yeah. all it, except now like yeah refined radionucleotides and stuff that's purely manufactured but oil they're they're actually they're not refining it out in the ocean when those derricks go up they're just bringing it in to be refined it is actually the product they sucked out of the ground minus sand so now i wouldn't want to be uh, eating fish out of there or anything but you know <laughs> yeah. i'm not saying it's good uh, well i thought i thought because they drive it out they drive it into the water i thought there was going to be like oh like the water like short circuits the bomb and it doesn't go off and there's like happy accident yeah but the bomb does go off but then they just like throw it away it's just like oh it was very well contained and like we're all good now <laughs> yeah the port's fine say nothing and I kind of feel sorry for like the the, the guy who did the stunt where he jumps out of the car because like that always looks like that sucks and that one looked especially like brutal. Yeah, that didn't look fun. <laughs> and, then, and, and then like the car bomb going off is just some digital effect that doesn't look very good. <laughs> yeah, no one got covered with radiation death water. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered how, I, as soon as that happened, I was like, is there going to be a follow up to this? Like, hey, why is everyone in the port of Houston dying of cancer? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, uh, these dock workers out there <laughs> no hair <laughs> oh, the shift is killing me <laughs> nah it doesn't come up yeah we created a, a new hazing process for the rookies where they make them skinny dip in this one part of the dock and they yeah. all start dying it's called job security <laughs> want to play skin burn <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna be the glow man <laughs> Or, yeah, at night, like, hey, is why is there a flashlight under the water? It's like, oh, that's just <laughs> natural phosphorescence. Uh, yeah, so they come at Gina's alive. She's, like, out of surgery or whatever. And Gina admits to killing Volker uh, before he gave up the secrets because he was going to defect to, to America, uh, which I'm not sure what secrets were left to defect for. Yeah. <laughs> Um, UFO and secrets. She, <laughs> uh, she says she was hired by Red uh, and claims to not know Tom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Tom gets released uh, and he spots some guy on the crime board in the background. He's like, Yeah, this is the guy I met. And I don't, are we not supposed to know who that guy is? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I couldn't play. Okay. I, yeah, me neither. Okay. Then Liz confronts Red and like says that he set up Tom which that may or may not be true. Yeah, we're not sure. And yeah, and this is where you kind of leave it just where, where Liz is like, yeah, I want nothing to do with you. And Red just kind of is sad. And it's like, you know, it's like, 
no it was like through the evidence of the episode you're the bad guy the whole time this is all you're doing yeah you're, you're not being unjustly <laughs> accused of something and the only thing you didn't do is you didn't put the bomb <laughs> in the car and set off the docks uh Oh yeah, I forgot. I think I brought that down, but like the way they get he gets the clues, like the guy's doing the painting too, wants the painting sent to New Orleans rather than Houston. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. That's where Red gets the things like, oh, I think I know where the bomb is. It's in Houston because the guy wanted the painting delivered there. Or he wanted the painting delivered to New Orleans rather than Houston because he knew something. Uh then we come back to the like the keen surveillance team and so they ask the questions like so like tom isn't working for reds like no and they're like who is he working for and it's like shrug and here we we hear the app the apple guy and he's british so don't know what that means is that british intelligence or whatever because all these guys in this crew watching keen are american so this is british so we don't know who they're connected to we don't know if this is freelance we don't know if this is cia fbi in my six we don't know it's just another mystery so yeah that's the end of the episode yeah it's fairly exciting yeah it's exciting yeah uh yeah some interesting stuff but it was just yeah there's a lot of i don't know i i don't i don't i'm not sure plot holes in the blacklist really matter but yeah sometimes to us like sometimes the plot holes mean something to us or catch our eye and it's kind of a glaring thing and other times it's like ah don't worry about it. it's fun <laughs> yeah well because and that's the, well, part of the frustration of the show is it seems to want to project this otherness of, of like oh there's something going on here and you know and, and you as the audience need to watch closely but then we're going to introduce so many concepts and ideas and then it, nothing ever seems to because we're six we're six in and half the stuff Red says is like, well, is that going to relate to something later? I Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but they don't seem to put it up. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But but it seems like it wants to be mysterious and kind of straightforward at the same time. So it's like, does that mean something later? Or is that a plot thread or is that just a way to propel the story? I don't you know. Got that. There's another fun red line where he's talking with Cooper and the story is like holding something on Cooper and he says like, delivering criminals to you as a hobby <laughs> like one that if i bore of you will be like less inclined to keep your job or something so yeah again uh red has the best lines oh yeah well, he's the smartest <clears throat> guy in the room when will hubris take hold yeah uh or has so, yeah 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 because it's probably the lowest for the character so far yeah he's sad he's sad that he that liz doesn't trust him even though he's given absolutely no reason to yeah <laughs> generated completely the opposite feelings about <laughs> you know engendering trust with people and not just... <laughs> what i've killed like three people in front of you and saved your life <laughs> like why don't you trust me <laughs> i've i've only put you in danger constantly since you started your job at the fbi yeah <laughs> that apparently isn't the fbi it's the post office <laughs> it's a counterterrorism first... unit of the post office <laughs> And for our second show, we have season two, episode six, or The Mentalist, season two, episode six, Black Gold and Red Blood. Really weird, stretchy title. <laughs> yes, they fit that well. They had to horn that in. And I'm not sure of like, what's it a pun on, but uh, I'm probably missing something there. Oil uh, and death. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, which is a Beverly Killbillies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in California. Original date, November 5th, 2009, CBS Thursday. 
while CBI investigates a homicide over what appears to be a, over a land claim, Patrick is put in jail for spying on Sam Bosco to get information on Red John. Showrunner Bruno Heller, written by Bruno Heller, directed by Rod Hardy. This is a pretty good episode, but it's a little bit also just a bit too wacky for how serious like things are supposed to be. Yeah. Well, that's part of the weirdness and the beauty of this show is yeah. the overall show is just about a sad guy who's really <laughs> smart and has all the talents and all the intelligence, but is like, ah, oh, yeah, he's just a damaged person. And yeah. he, and he's smart enough to know that on some level, but yeah, but, it, but it's always, yeah, it's kind of this, this jaunty traipse through corpses and death and murder. And then there's this overarching like Hannibal Lecter type killer that's out there and, <laughs> Because the show isn't just him, like, because he's, you know, presumably he's rich. And so he could just take on the Red John case on his own with his own money. Yeah. And just start randomly killing people that he can associate with it. Yeah. But he needs the help of the CBI. And so there's this weird friction where he wants to get what he wants, but he has to deal with, you know, rules and regulations. And people and who, who you think maybe he likes or the whole thing's just a ruse. You don't know. Yeah, because he has yeah, a lot of sociopathic traits. Hey, so we have Kirby Hines. A, he's a welder. Is the dead body that dead from blunt force trauma? Uh, he also has glitter on his face. And we have uh, Rigsby is afraid of, that Jane knows about him and Van Pelt just because you know he does those things. Yeah, just because that's what Jane does. He just looks in your eyes and like, oh, <laughs> something wrong with you. A crowd gather, and there's like an argument, and a guy pulls a knife, and then Cho subdues him. Yeah. Uh, the guy is Theodore Lus- Luscom. Yeah, Luscom, I think. Yeah, and he's just like, and he's like a garbage sovereign citizen moron. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those anti-government people. Like, yeah, I don't have to say um, anything to you under my rights. Is I don't recognize your authority. It's like, oh yeah, these guys. And I don't know if he's like always that way or if he was that way after he lost the court case that comes up later on. Yeah. But yeah, in this yeah, priest, I think after the credits, yeah, Bosco has Jane arrested for spying on him. Yes, the bug from three episodes ago comes back. Yeah. Bosco gives him a choice. He either wants Jane to leave the CBI or be charged for spying. So Jane goes to jail for ways to be charged for spying. Yeah. And we have this weird scene where like Jane comes in there and he's talking to the guards and he's like and the guard's like, why were you recommended for protective custody? And he's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not a cop. And he's like, okay. Oh, he so asked him. He said, well, there's two reasons. You're a cop or a pedophile. Which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, well, I'm not a pedophile and I'm not a cop. So I don't know why. And he's like, well, so do you want protective custody? No, gin pop. Oh, it's fine. It's your funeral. You know, <laughs> before Jane is introduced into this, he is, he's walking down the aisle. Remember, he says in front of Jane, the, the guy, the, the sergeant or whatever, the of the county jail cell or whatever it is, was like, yeah, did you see any vermin? And the guy's like, what What does that mean? He goes, like, mice. Because <laughs> we find out later it's important the sergeant isn't afraid of mice. Yeah. In a way that's, like, insane. But, you know, we'll yeah. talk about it later. I don't think I, – I hate spiders. I've killed one on the show. I do not like them. <laughs> but if someone – threw a spider at me i wouldn't like piss my pants and forget whatever's going on i would get the spider off and then continue but whatever <laughs> it seemed it was like oh okay i see yeah it's one of those things like do you remember that part well here it comes back yeah and it's like okay <laughs> it's not 
right. That didn't really pay off, but I know why it's there. Aha, I was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Then they throw Jane in this room with this large set black man, and he introduces himself. He's like, what are you in here for? I was like, I was spying on a state official. <laughs> and he's like, you? And he's like, they said I raped and killed this guy. He's like, that didn't happen. We had consensual sex, and then I stabbed him to death. Yeah. It's like, good night. <laughs> he's like this 500-pound black guy who's <laughs> kind of a charming guy. Yeah, on, yeah, on he's jovial. Yeah. yeah, it's like... He, so you don't even know if that's true. It never comes up again, except him and Jane. Yeah, right. When Jane talks to him, you know, about having therapy and and you know, it's like, well, your dad just didn't know how to show you love. It's it's not that he didn't <laughs> love you. He didn't. And this guy was like, oh yeah, you know. So just Jane being Jane, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that char- that character is pure comic relief. He's yeah. not really to be an introspective character because that character is so mismatched and weird, but. You know, he hits all the comedy beats, so he does a good job. Right. So, yeah, we found out there's a land dispute. The family family land was sold to the Gerbers, and apparently there's oil on the land, but it used to be, like, uh, something hard to get to oil, so it wasn't worth getting it. But now that the prices are growing up, now it's worth it. So Yeah. Um, That's called the sweetness of the oil for anyone who's curious. Oh, just what? Explain well, that. It, uh, the the most popular oil in the world is what they call light sweet crude from the Gulf, and really that doesn't mean anything. It just means you have to put a lot less energy into processing it into refined gasoline. So when you get into the oil like uh, that's in the Gulf, that's in the Gulf of Mexico, that's in the southern parts of the United States, that's all light sweet. It means you you don't when you have to set up a refinery and you put it in the cracking tower, you don't have to use as much energy to make because you know you have to use less energy than the product you're making or it doesn't pay to sell it but when you get into what they call oil shale and brent crude like brent crude's from the north sea that's outside of uh, england and scotland that's a little harder to process and then you have like the sand shale which would be california northern california up through canada that's the hardest stuff to process but as the price goes up it's like you can put more energy into it because it's still paying out so that's uh that's what the kind of that, that kind of oil is all over the place and we're just starting to use. That's what fracking. That's how that gets that out of the ground. Because, I thought fracking was for natural gas. No, you can use it for oil too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you can use any process. Yeah, and anything that. Puts, yeah, cause, yeah, because I always heard that this oil in countries with a lot of sand is cheaper, because it's just easier to drill to the sand. Yeah, I mean, you you can drill for it too. It's a little more destructive, I think, um, because when you're fracking, you're putting something in there to replace it. Whereas if you just suck it out of the ground, you're just creating a void, which will later fill with earth. Because yeah, I was here like stuff like it, like there's a lot of minerals and stuff we could get in Russia, but it's like basically you have to like terraform the land to get to the, the good stuff. And it's like, yeah, too much energy to get that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to dig 2000 feet deep, open trench mines with giant <laughs> machinery, you could get all the molybdenum and all that stuff out of there. Or you can get it in Africa where it's abundant. You just got to dig it out of the ground. That's why China's building. That, that's what all the Belt and Road stuff in China's about in Africa. Because yeah, yeah, we'll build you freeways and infrastructure, but we want all your. Because they're investing in something that's a fixed cost. We'll build you a road. We'll build you infrastructure. But the price of those minerals there only goes up and up and up. So it's like, yeah, the road we paid for. Now we want the minerals, and once we have all the minerals, we set the market price. So. <laughs> And we Any. don't care what happens in your country. Yeah, we, we absolutely we don't care what happens in our country. Why would we care what happens in your country? <laughs> well, you know, like, well, yeah, we, 
yeah, the, the, when the Olympics, you know, the the Winter Olympics, like they had to shut down all the factories like two weeks before the people started showing up because <laughs> that was like a breeze. Yeah, so they could like compete at an Olympic level, and that was the same thing with the Summer Olympics in Beijing. They had to shut all the factories down like a month before, so the people could like you know. You could see the people doing the 500 dash or whatever, but not through a haze of like smog. <laughs> I, I hear most of that's just because like they, have, they expanded too quickly and like it's too hard to build more reliable energy sources. So they just build coal plants. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can just set those up in like a week, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's a lot easier than setting up a nuclear power plant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is they want that to be their main source, which the world is. Like, oh, we can't wait till China has 800 nuclear reactors. But, you know, yeah, they just keep doing that. And, and then also they have no, there's no, like, there's no OSHA there. There's no, like, EPA. You, you know what? The, I mean, the, just the mechanism is growth, just like it was here in, like, the 1870s. Like, there was no rules here. You could you could <laughs> smelt lead in the middle of New York City if you could get the city to go along <laughs> with it. I mean, it cares. Hey, someone's making money. Cool. It's the same thing now. It's just now the rest of the world knows how bad it is. And China's like, well, we're not going to go back to being poor. So this is what we're doing. And I don't we're take this one on the chin. <laughs> I don't blame China for doing that because it's like their options are not like, well, you can stop progressing and go back to being like a like medieval feudal states that just fight with each other. And it's like, no, how about no? How about there's a billion and a half of us? And uh, no, we're not doing that anymore. If I was Chinese, if I was running China, I understand their point of view. It's just, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to take us anywhere we want to go, but you're not going to stop them either. It's like you're not going to stop India when that starts growing. Um, it's like, yeah, there's too many smart people there now. They've Too many of them have come to Western universities and got PhDs, and it's like, yeah, this is how you grow your economy. And, you know, that's what happens. I think we go to commercial. We come back, and then Jane's in, like, the – lunchroom it's just kind of a general meeting area the recreation it, place yeah eh, i don't know what you call it well they were recreating at one point later in the episode yeah. so. uh so like everybody thinks he's a cop and he basically just re- manipulates a room full of criminals uh and then we come back we keep coming back to it there's and jane hypnotizes a guy and he, to get off drugs which is, to get off huffing of paint yeah <laughs> it wasn't even drugs he was like huffing paint and he's the guy in charge of the jail <laughs> well he's like he's like the alpha of the yeah. of the group or whatever yeah he's the main main prisoner yeah um, and he's about which as is smart the, as a which box is of the, rocks which is, yeah i don't know but also this is this is another thing weird thing where it's like we don't it's like i don't know things about between prison and jail but it's like how long can these people actually be in here it's like like are they going to be in there long enough to like build reputations and stuff like that <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know how I, I know the difference between prison and jail is Jails where you're waiting to go to prison or you're waiting for a trial. Yeah. Uh, And it used to be like six months or a year or whatever. But now the way our legal system works, it's like there's people that are on Rikers. Rikers Island is not a prison. It's just the big main jail center for New York City. There's people that have been there five years. Oh, okay. You're just waiting at Rikers Island to go through the New York courts and then go upstate to the big prisons. But it's like, yeah, there's so many people. It doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah, okay, I thought so Rikers like, Island was a prison. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, it's uh, uh, sheriff, county sheriff uh, or whatever the county, the shit counties are that come together. That's yeah. like, their sh- you know, that's like the county jail, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but on a prison yeah. scale. Yeah, because like people, because yeah, because it's always like shorthand, like you're growing to Rikers, and I always assumed that was like a prison. Okay, huh? So our criminal justice system is even worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I I'm also wrong on that in some ways too, <laughs> because you can be sentenced for offenses that don't rise to state penitentiary crimes and be at Rikers for like a couple years. Like you can be in county jail for two years for DUIs and stuff. They do have different holding. Th- if there's no one killed, they do have different yeah. rules in different places. But yeah, no, our system's terrible and slow and completely overwhelmed and and sad. <laughs> and I mean, it's you know why they got rid of debtors' prisons in this country? A, no. lot, a lot of people thought it's like, oh, that was immoral to hold people for debt because you know there all kinds of things could happen. It's like no, they were running out of places to hold people, and they're like, we're not <laughs> holding people for banks and rich guys anymore to work off their debt in one way or another because the state is paying to hold these people to work off debt that the state is then paying back to the people that held their debt. And it's like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to have to build prisons the size of cities. And it's like, no, we're getting rid of it. A lot of people think, oh, they got rid of that because of morals. It's like, no, no, they got rid of it because they didn't (laughs) want to pay to house them anymore. Another Failed economics work on your behalf. Yeah. (laughs) Lisbon and Van Pelt meet with Donna Hines. She was a Gerber, uh, and she married um, uh, Kirby, the guy who died. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's family squabbles about. Apparently, their marriage was on the rocks, but she kind of denies that, but also says they have been having problems. And also, they Kirby was apparently beat up a few weeks ago, and like, did you did you do that, or did somebody else do that? Do you know? Uh, but she isn't giving up any names. Uh, Cho meets Jane in jail. And he comes with a case that they're working on so he can help out, uh, which that becomes super weird because like Jane just <laughs> Jane's like constantly on the phone, like trying to do this. And he's just like, I can't do this without the people in front of me. And so he just finds ways to get the people in front of him. And it's it's like fun and weird and completely unlikely. But anyway, yeah, and also like the, they don't like monitor the whole, any like, of those phone calls going out of those jails, I guess. Yeah, and also, also just like the, the time frame of the episode makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, okay, how long did it take to process this guy and put him in jail? And then you're also in the same day having visitors at the same time. This guy, his dad happens to bother to come and meet him his first day of jail. And it's like, it's a lot of circumstantial stuff that just happens to come together. But whatever, it's fun, whatever. Yeah, it's TV. It works. Yeah. And then, yeah, Bosco, Cho, and Risby have like a conversation where Bosco sort of proves that Jane has corrupted them because because he's like because Bosco's like, hey, we need to do some stuff and like you know we gotta do some stuff that's kind of gray so we can keep the good guys alive and the bad guys like down. And they're like, yeah, we're willing to do that. And he's like, see, he's corrupting you guys. You're not supposed to do that stuff. Yeah, you're not supposed to just readily agree. Yeah, it's like it kind of proves Bosco's point, which makes Bosco seem like less like a less like the bad guy. It's yeah. like, see, I'm right. <laughs> and then Jane picks up and something. He's like looking through a diary, and he figures that 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 Kirby was a bird watcher because all they have is like these weird numbers and names that they don't know what it is. And Jane picks up and like, oh, he's watching birds. Yeah, and this word also like on the phone. Jane apparently gets more than one phone call and like calls like four different people. <laughs> And he sets up Rigsby to have a confrontation with uh, Roddy Gerber, which is kind of fun. The guy who plays Roddy Gerber, like him and the guy who plays Rigsby, were both in Generation Kill together. Okay. All right. 
yeah so jane sets him up and then like is when when rigsby comes out he's like i mean uh it's like you're right gerber i'm agent rigsby and roddy just punches him and then like next scene roddy's in jail with jane <laughs> and this way he finds out that the whole thing were like um apparently kirby found out there's turkey vultures on the land and that's a protected species so they wouldn't be able to dig for oil there apparently roddy beat him beat up kirby and also shot the vultures dead so then but he didn't kill kirby and also like yeah and then he calls jane and then or jane calls lisbon and convinces her to visit him uh in like a ruse <laughs> she also like he also wants a cup or he also wants a a muffin a blueberry muffin like this ends up where they meet dolly gerber's visiting roddy gerber in the prison at the same time so jane goes and asks him some questions he doesn't he asks him like one question but it's all just a setup for jane because he knows what's going on nobody else does and there was also a constant thing where like there's a lot of things are cutting back and forth we're like constantly cutting back to jane in the hospital and then what's seen going on the, the investigation so it's got yeah the t- I, it's hard to keep track of time. This episode it makes no sense. It's just in a weird time warp. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the gang are telling uh, Lisbon that like Bosco's attracted to her and that she should use that against him somehow to get Jane out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, no, I'm not doing that. And you guys are crazy. And then, yeah, Jane makes some traption in his jail, jail cell to catch a mouse. Yeah. It's a Bible, a plastic bag, a string. <laughs> yeah well yeah he, he took some of the bedding and he just like ripped it <laughs> until he can make a string with it yeah um which i'm sure which i'm sure they love that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they love arts and crafts in jail and then jane fakes being passed out so he can so he can lock that one guard in the room with a mouse and escape the jail <laughs> yep just throw on a, a, a guard's uh jacket and jacket. walk out yeah I mean, he just had like, there was like some, I don't know, like a doctor coming in and like he starts yelling, like, help, there's someone escaping. So, uh, this is somewhat realistic, but you know, somehow Jane gets away and he's immediately like back in a suit and he's like on the way to a wake that's at the Gerber's. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's like questioning everybody there and ends up, oh, what was it? her name? She had a weird name. It ends up being Dooley's wife, Sandrine. Uh, yeah, Sandrine. Like she had an affair with Kirby or, or was she killing because of the affair? Right. Yeah. 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 I think it was because of the affair. Yeah. Kirby, Kirby the environmentalist gonna... welder who just, you know, he's, gets beat up by this lady's son and he's sleeping with her and his marriage is on the rocks. And Yeah. He decides like he needs to come forward with the truth. Cause, <laughs> uh, and so she kills him because of that. And I don't even know how, like, <laughs> She just hit him with something. Beat him with a rock, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because I believe it was blunt force drama. I can't. Yeah, remember. I believe that's what. It was. Maybe she just took him off guard. Yeah, and so yeah, it's a fun. He, yeah, and so Jane used a threat. It's like the cops are on the way, and so you hear the sirens, and so she basically just admits to it. <laughs> like you know, they get on the speaker. It's like Patrick Jane, come out with your hands up. <laughs> and she's like, "No, you tricked me." And he's like, "Ha ha." <laughs> Yes, and, right, and now the, the 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 wife of the guy who you killed, you know, won't get any money because now this whole land deal for oil is gone because <laughs> of the turkey buzzard. So you're in prison, and your your grandson's in poverty. And like, <laughs> a win for all, you know. And Jane doesn't get in trouble for escaping <laughs> prison or jail. Let's see. Yeah. And at the end, Lisbon threatens Bosco with something in their past, like something they they swept under the rug, but they don't mention what it is. So 
Like, and like, and Bosco's like, you're going to ruin both our careers for that. And uh, Jane, I don't know, Jane, Jane only hits at something that like Bosco must have killed somebody and they, they swept it on a rug or something like that. But also, I think they also intimate that maybe they had an affair or something, but I don't know how that throw both their careers down the hole. <laughs> so it's got to be the, uh, they did some improper justice and just like hit it away. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was kind of a different mix it up episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're having fun. It was like wildly unreal, but it was still fun. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's crazy that Jane can do all this stuff, and at the end of the day, it's just all forgiven. <laughs> I mean, I know technically he's not a part of the CBI, so he's not he's not held to the same standards, but it's still crazy. <laughs> and then for our third show, we have season two, episode six, or Miami Vice, season two, episode six, buddies. <laughs> Yeah. Original air date November 1st, 1985, NBC Friday. Crockett and Tubbs race to find a young mother and her baby, and they are targeted for death by mobsters. Schroner Michael Mann, written by Frank Military. Okay. It's an interesting name. Uh, and directed by, uh, so like if, if just to use American English, it'd be Harry Maestro George, but I'm probably, I'm betting it's supposed to be like Maestro Jorge or something like that. Something like but that. But I could not find a pronunciation that was respectable. So <laughs> Maestro George it is. Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> Which that's a hell of a name for a directing team and a writing team. So I know usually we try to find like the benefit of doubt for for these shows this was a pretty bad episode yeah right? this wasn't a good one no no this wasn't a good one it had all the hallmarks of being good but then the story did not come together in a way where i it's like oh it just kept getting it just kept turning and turning and turning the MacGuffin, the thing that drove the story was it, it was like yeah there's obviously a choice here and at any point, this lady could just walk into a police station and be <laughs> fine. Yeah, it seemed like three episodes crammed together. Yeah. Because, like, you, like, it feels like, okay, what would be interesting is an episode about Miami club guys that are trying to legalize gambling in Miami. You could do a whole episode about that. You could do a whole season about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> then you have, like, the, you know, the ab abusive husband, so the mother runs away to Miami to try to make it on her own and ends up being taken advantage of and she defends herself like that's an episode and then you have like crockett's war buddy episode yeah. <laughs> and they cram them all together and, and it's a mess and it's yeah it's like it does well not... i felt like a lot of it like it seemed very it's very emotional charged yeah and serious about some of this stuff but it just kind of comes off as clumsy and i wonder if it was one of those things where it was like the actors were really into it. It's like, yeah, this is character development. But like when it got put on screen, it was just silly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't put like one, I can't point out to one like fatal flaw in this. It's just like the whole thing structurally was not sound. Yeah. It just did not go together in a way, the way they told the story, the kind of the people's motivation in it. It, it was all like, it was just a mess, uh, just a big smear of things that <laughs> was like, yeah, I get that, but I don't, and, and the acting was fine. It was weird to see Nathan Lane as a rapist. Um, <laughs> and it's like, I recognize some of these people, but it was also like, it didn't have any the emotional impact it should have because yeah, the yeah. story was such, it was just trying too hard in too many ways, like. You know, his buddy he's from the army, who they were the only two guys who made it out of their unit in Vietnam. And it was because they stuck together and 
you know, this guy's running a club and, and it's like, yeah, and I want you to be, and, he, and this guy, Robbie just had a kid and he's like, I want you to be the godfather of my child. And, <laughs> and you know, Crockett's like, yeah, sure. You know, that's great. And, but then it's, but, it, yeah. I, I'll just, I'll just run through it and we'll come across this stuff again. But I just, okay. I just, I just hope I didn't like, I didn't misread the episode and no, it was good when it I was, thought it was, good. Okay. was bad. Yeah. I mean, James Remar is Robbie. Yeah. Uh, he weirdly looks probably, he looks older in this than he did like in Dexter like 30 years later. Yeah. It's kind of strange. That's <laughs> uh, probably his haircut. Huh? Yeah. It could be. <laughs> Yeah, he's drinking after his kid was born at a pool hall dance club or something. Apparently, it's just across the way from the hospital or something. Yeah, it's a hospital and tavern. It's a it's a Florida thing. <laughs> Crockett meets Robbie at the club. They were in Vietnam together. Robbie makes Crockett the the Godfather. Some guy pulls a gun a gun on Robbie when he jumps on this pool table. Yeah, Crockett gets them out of there um, without 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 any uh shots being fired right you know gets to pull a gun on a guy and yell police but then robbie like disarms him anyway because like hey don't pull a gun if you're not going to shoot it yeah and he like stuck it in the guy's like against his forehead or something (laughs) and was like he's yeah i did he cock it or i don't remember but it was like (laughs) yeah that's okay so robbie and robbie has some experience with violence that's introduced and now, he did he did like knock down like five shots in about four minutes so it's true yeah because <laughs> he has an immediate altercation with the bartender which would get him thrown out and then he norm <laughs> because he, he's like i want three shots and the bartender throws three and he's like who's drinking with you and he's like it's just me and he's like oh you just you just became a dad huh and he's like yeah and he goes well dad's not going to be alive very long if he drinks like that <laughs> he's like hey don't say that to me you know it's a very 80s censored tv thing but yeah, and the and the bartender's just like, yeah, hey, okay, just you know. But yeah, any anyone else would have been like, okay, this guy's a problem, get out. But for you know, for the story, it works. Cut to credits. Come back. We have Nathan Lane doing stand up at some Miami club. Yeah, uh, badly, I, I by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like he's improving or anything. It's, well, you find out like this guy has something to deal with the club, so they're kind of just like giving him like, what can we hire him to do? And he's like, he's bad at everything. Yeah, <laughs> I forget the name of the club. They show the sign; it like still exists in Miami. Oh yeah, that's the um, yeah. I didn't write it's it like down. Spar- it's like Spartel or something like yeah, that, or yeah. Showtel or something. Uh, then you find out there's yeah, there's this hostess, and she like she's like covering up bruises because like her husband abused her back in New York. It's, it's Dorothy. And she has her baby there, and like the the boss is like, "Hey, you gotta find somebody to watch that baby. You can't bring bringing it to work." It's like, you know, she's not like, "Well, you know how much we're paying me. You know, I can't afford the babysit." Do you know what childcare costs in this city? You know, it should have just launched into the <laughs> struggles of the working class, but that's yeah. not Miami Vice in the eighties. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Noogie's wife, Ample Annie, yeah. is in this a lot. <laughs> yeah, Noogie's yeah. not in it, but no. Uh, yeah she's the one yeah she has like yeah she has like 50 jobs for some reason yeah don't know really know what she's doing she just kind of shows up and has some information and then dorothy loses her job because some guy grabs her ass and she spills a drink it's like yeah yeah we're firing you because our clientele is awful it's like <laughs> thanks the economy yeah well this is the 80s yeah. now you know yeah it's the dark times uh and nathan lane uh monty price yeah. Uh he he he's kind of like she's just like sitting on the bench like lonely and then he's like he kind of offers a helping hand and they just suddenly gets rapey and abusive 
ripping up her clothes and punching her. And uh, she says before, she's never going to let that happen again. So she stabs him to death. Uh, you know, just one stab and he goes down dead. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you stab someone in the heart with a fruit tray knife, it will kill them. <laughs> it's just unlikely that you're going to get through the ribcage with that. But okay. <laughs> I mean, she's smaller, you know, went up and in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could very well be. Yeah, apparently the people that run the club are being watched by the FBI. So for some reason, Vice has just put on the job because <laughs> yep. it's ultimately about gambling or something. Well, they have uh, the papers she puts in the bag yeah. that are in that guy's office are apparently like bet, bet sheets for illegal gambling. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, they're like tally sheets for like, yeah. for. So in order for, to be subtle and not to make problems because they're trying to get legal gambling in Miami, remember, they decide to shoot up half of Miami trying to kill a woman <laughs> and her baby because that won't draw any attention. You just, you know, yeah. that's just a day yeah, in the life. They, you know, one for killing this guy, two because she has the papers and they think she's gonna hold it over him. And like, I'm guessing she doesn't even know what the papers are. No. It was just betting for the baby, which seems like very bad betting. Like, yeah, in, you know, there's like literally like towels and pillows in that room. <laughs> yeah, here, eight month old baby, <laughs> stay on this crunched up paper and never cry <laughs> because mom is on the run and the mob's trying to kill her. <laughs> uh yeah also unfortunately i don't know if this lady is supposed to be playing an immigrant or she's just a bad actor but she's, both work she's, she's in real life she's hungarian i don't okay, okay. yeah so she was basically a ballet type person who right. i think somebody like took a fancy to her it's like hey let's put us in the put her in this episode she, she can be a sympathetic character and it's like well she tried. I mean, if I went to Hungary and had to act, I probably wouldn't do any better in their TV shows. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like a common thing where in Miami Vice, we get like a really young person and put them on the show, and they're very bad at acting. Yeah, but they look hot, and it's like, well, yeah, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Doss and Canada are trying to legalize, legalize gambling in Miami. They're the club owners, and apparently they're just the mob. But <laughs> Yeah, they're just generic mob figures, and they look the part, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess one of the, one of those guys actually went on to be in like The Sopranos. I can't remember. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, where's the guest? Was Frank 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 Valley? Yeah, that the one. Think. Frankie Valley sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah. So the papers just have name and numbers on it that could be incriminating, but not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Even Crockett, when he found out what it was, is like, they can't tie that to anything. It's just <laughs> names on a piece of paper. But yeah. This is find out that it's that Robbie owes money to the mob, but he doesn't want anything to do with them. He's like, just coming there to hand him a check. I'm like, don't tell me anything. I don't want anything to do with this. Right. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to mail you the checks for, for later. Yeah. Cause he like runs a club across town, but. To get startup money, he needed mob money, but that's we'll find out even more later. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have yeah, Annie's working a hot dog stand. Uh, she's all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah. So she's you know working at a club, working a hot dog stand. The guy who owns the hot dog stand is her agent. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just weird. It's just comic relief shoved in there. So. Yeah. Comic relief shoved into a situation that is about as far from funny as you could get. Uh, yeah, yeah, the mom wants to kill a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Better shut that baby up. It doesn't know how to form sentences. 
Shoot the baby. It's it's dark. Shoot the baby. It's dark. Don't be afraid of us. The darkness. I don't know. Um, Crockett and Tubbs talk with Robbie about his connection with Dawson Kanata. Um, you know, and of course, Robbie just flies off the handle at the end of <laughs> at the end of it. And also, in this round, we suddenly find out that. Robbie is Kanata's son. Like, dun, dun, dun. It's yeah, like, I was oh. sitting here doing like a paint thing on a model. And I was even, I was like, what? You know, <laughs> I was like, come on. It, it, you took me out of my model. It's like, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's where I wrote the episode off. I was like, sometimes these episodes are a little uneven. Sometimes for the first 35 minutes, they can be uneven. But then it sort of like pulls itself together with some cool stuff at the end. It's like. That's when this shit just lost me. <laughs> when I actually started just to stare at the screen like, what? Yeah, and Tubbs, like, he changed his name in high school, Crockett. You wouldn't know because apparently they're in, in college football together because there's a photo of them on the football team. But Yeah, they were uh, in college football and then Vietnam. <laughs> and then through all the hell they came through, that guy he never, like, mentioned this. It's like, hey, if I die, friend, I want you to know my real name. My dad's a mobster. That's all. It's really, I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing neither him or Crockett like finished college because usually you wouldn't like, you know, finish college football and then go to Nam as just like enlisted personnel and be officers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's just, uh, just everybody. Just everybody is um, with Oliver Stone. <laughs> I mean, dad got drafted after college, uh, but you know, yeah. he was, but I don't think he, I just, he just like wanted to do like, okay, whatever I got to do. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think he was going to Vietnam. So, and he didn't. But yeah, so maybe that was the, maybe it was one of those deals where they're just mass drafting people. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess they could have got drafted as well. But yeah, I always figured he volunteered. Um, I don't know, I'm, I, I, I'm assured we have more Crockett Vietnam buddy stuff coming on later. So I hope so, and I think it's a little better. <laughs> yeah, Danny Bain shows up. It's the it's the husband of Dorothy, and he just insults everyone and Crockett, and then Crockett shoves him around and makes him scared. He's like, hey, like shoving ladies around, and then Castillo's like, Sonny, in my office now. <laughs> and it turns That's out he Dan- wasn't even unhappy about that. He was... <laughs> It's like you're too close because of you know the <laughs> yeah. Danny thing. It's like it kind of yeah, it takes him off the case. Yeah, and then Sonny talks with Robbie again, and he tries to guilt trip him. It's like a very weird scene. Yeah, see, this is when I was really like, like this is what uh, it's like to be a man. And it's like and he's like pointing a gun to his own head, <laughs> and somehow Robbie knows where the girl is because he overheard something. It's like. Uh, I'm sure on paper, like the actors are like, yeah, this is some real meaty stuff. And then it's ridiculous in the edit. <laughs> yeah, there was something wrong and something was wrong here. Uh, but it was just a story. Everyone acted their ass off, but it was just yeah. a story. Well, it's just, it just feels weird that this, it feels like real that Robbie just won't tell him where the girl is. It feels weird that Sonny's trying to guilt him into like, like, hey, you're not a man if you don't tell me where the girl is or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, like tactically thinking, it's like, well, the mobs, my the mob, my dad's holding a mark over me for money. It's like if I tell these cops what's going on and dad goes down, it's like, well, my debt vaporizes with him, right? <laughs> I mean, or I just pay the next guy off. It's like it doesn't have to involve me. 
Yeah. You know, but yeah, it doesn't, no one's like uses logic in these TV shows. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Robbie sneaks out and then Crockett chases after him. And it's kind of a, an okay car chase. Yeah. It's not bad. Them. It's like, you know, 1980 something Corvette versus a Ferrari, yeah. which is also a Corvette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this time they're equal. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike last time where it was like, like the cars were so unequal and they shouldn't be able to just escape away. Yeah. Um, well, here they have like a fish truck, like with a bunch of like swordfish on ice gets toppled over and, and then the Ferrari skids out. So. Yeah. Um, and then Robbie gets to Dorothy and you seem like, Oh, he's going to kill her. But like, no, he's going to like give her money and like get her out of the state. And that's when the gang show up. And I, for, I, I forgot the other before previously, they go to the gang, go to her hideout, and they have these weird masks on, which kind of makes them look it's like almost like weird, clear blackface kind of going yeah, on. Yeah, it's something weird. strange. I, I mean, it, it looks like if a black guy had like a one of those clear, kind of like slightly obscure your face masks on, but it's a white guy with that mask. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to describe. It almost it almost looks racist, but it's just obscuring. Um, and yeah, so people are just popping about all over the place to try to kill her. Um, Robbie guns down a bunch of them, but then he gets shot, and then Crockett dives to the window and shoots the rest of them. And then Tubbs shows up and is like, "It's like you okay, Crockett?" It's like, "Yeah." And then, and then like, uh, and then Crockett's like talking to Robbie. He's like, "See, see, I helped her out. It's like I did the right thing." He's like, "Yeah, he did the right thing." And then it's like free frame, and it's like, "Did he die or not?" It's like I don't know. Cuts the credits. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like it's huh? up to you yeah <laughs> was this was this, was this episode worthy of him staying alive or not <laughs> yeah we, we we drug you through this whole thing now it's time for you the audience to choose <laughs> you've earned this because this episode sucked uh, <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of mean well i think they meant well but i just didn't come together so. yeah and it was it was all the writing of the story and or maybe how the show was edited i don't know but i think it's just the way the story was written it was kind of stupid it's like you yeah. said that so much stuff was hitting the wall here it's like oh there's three episodes here yeah um but you, we don't need to or at least like the first act where the 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 the, the girl running from new york to florida to try to start over to miami and uh, you know, and the rapey comedian and he kills, you know, she kills him in self-defense. Like that could have been a whole episode. Uh, but it's like now they had to throw this other thing in, which again, could have been a standalone episode uh, where you could have built tension and had characters and stuff. But now let's just cram all this stuff in. Um, I mean, I mean, it started off interesting where it's like, okay, here's Crockett's Vietnam friend. And then you come back from the opening credits and it's like, a woman with a baby and you're like okay so that's his baby right and it's oh and yeah like, yeah that's what i thought too i was like huh and, it, and it's like oh and she has an abusive husband it's like oh this isn't going well and it's like oh oh that's that's just a coincidence yeah <laughs> there's, there's just two babies in the wind <laughs> yeah there's just guilt babies around there for uh, you know and there's some parallels there but just that and it's like yeah it's like they're two like every time you cut to like the dorothy thing it's like she's always it's a compartmentalized part of the episode. So it's always divorced from the rest of the episode. And because she's not that great of an actor, it's always just boring and doesn't really add anything to it. Yeah. There's a lot of close-ups of her looking confused on the camera. 
Yeah. Like saying her dialogue <laughs> and then like turning her head like a dog. Like, huh? Did that make sense? It's like, well, God, where'd they find her? Okay. Is this her process? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then sometimes they cut to the mob guys and like, you know, they're also separated from Crockett and Tubbs and, you know, the, the only, those, the, the thing stringing that together is Robbie. And then they have the familial connection. That's just like out of nowhere. Yeah. And does it, <laughs> makes it, I don't know. I, I think uh, maybe in the eighties that was simpler, like, Oh my God, they're related. But like anytime they make things like that, somebody's father, it's just so lame nowadays. Yeah. It's been done a lot. And, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't uh yeah. And it was just, to me, like I said, it just it took me, it took me away from my paint process. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> did I wait? Did I need to rewind this? Did I miss something? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and also just a terrible episode name. Yeah, not a good name. Didn't buddies. like the name. The best. What's the episode about? Not buddies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it almost has a title of one of the like. Uh, is this going to be a comical episode? But they don't. Really yeah, because do reading the title, yeah. uh, reading the, the episode like title and the description, I thought it was going to be like Crockett and Tubbs are like solving crime by like taking care of his baby. Like I thought that's what it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah, not like Crockett's Vietnam buddy, who's like maybe like a tenth of what the episode's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So not a good, not a good Miami. Nothing like where the buses don't run or something, you know. No. Where it's like that too was strange in a way, but it was like, oh, it paid off, uh, you know, for the story. Where this one was just like, ah, uh, okay. I don't know. Also, like, yeah, it's like i've never seen this written by credit of frank military i've never seen this directed by credit of mastro george so this was their first crack at stuff so maybe it just didn't fit like they didn't know how to do the style yeah that Um, could be we'll see if they they happen upon other episodes like maybe they figure it out i don't know yeah so Anyways, if you if you if you've liked your podcast, if you liked our podcast, now couldn't you? You can find us at anchor.fm slash Verhoven Effect, or you can go to verhoveneffect.com. Uh, you can rate our podcast on whatever platform you of your choice. Rate us whatever you want. The only thing to listen to is the highest rating. So remember, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. <clears throat> uh, at anchor.fm.com or um, verhoveneffect.com. We also have listener support where you can support us. At a monthly stipend of ninety nine cents, four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine a month, uh, we're at Twitter at Verhoeven Effect, Facebook Verhoeven Effect. We have another podcast called American Greed Factory. You can find us on YouTube or podcast of your choice. You know, we can both you know, on YouTube. You can watch this and that podcast both live and unedited. And we also have T-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash Greed Factory. So for the Verhoeven Effect podcast, this is Conlon. This is Nathan. Goodbye, America.